Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you for changing the hour on your clocks. Thank you for uh, being mindful and being here. I know it's like really early. It's like the crack of dawn for a lot of you. Uh, so thank you for being here. Uh, Abe, as soon as you've got those notes, uh, I'd like them here if you don't mind. For those of you online, welcome uh, to Lifehouse. We've been talking about B, Project B. Like a lot of times that we want to do something instead of being someone. And being is more important than doing. Doing is important because, you know, some folks talk faith, but we don't act. We don't walk faith. Uh, there's no action behind our faith or, or those virtues. So James says that show me your, you know, your works and I'll show you a faith that is living, that is active, that is pertinent, that is relevant uh, by what you do with that faith. Uh, so that it's just not just confession, it's not just mental ascension, but you're actually doing something, you're engaged, uh, even if you're stumbling through, but it's better to do something uh, and to be activate, to activate your faith uh, by putting the right uh, works and the right steps rather than just talk about faith. Uh, because uh, James says, show me your works and I'll show you your uh, a real faith uh, by your actions. So we're talking about Project B. In essence, is believe. We believe what God says we are. We believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouths to our salvation. But it starts with believing God, trusting God's word, uh, and taking God at his word. Believing God. Believing God, what he says. We're in our second message about uh, belonging. Uh, the very essence, last Sunday I was sharing about Abraham's, uh, Maslow's uh, just pyramid of human needs. All of us have the most basic needs, the, the air to breathe, to feed, shelter, security, in essence that, that we are secure, that we have a roof over our head, that we have uh, the necessary elements like to eat when you're hungry, uh, clothing to, to uh, basically bring you uh, a sense of, of security. But then right in the middle of that pyramid is, is the need to belong, that all of us have the need to sense we are valuable. And if you don't sense that you have value, then you're already in trouble. The enemy's already undermined you, your worth, your value, your self-regard, your self-respect. Young man, young lady, your self-esteem, which is connected. Thank you very much. Your self-esteem, which is connected with how you see yourself the way you, God sees. Is whether you see yourself and you value yourself the way God sees you and the way God values you. And a lot of us are, are very de deprecate. We depreciate. We devalue ourselves. Um, some many years ago, several years ago, I went into one of these big stores that we all know. And then toward the back, right in the middle aisle, as you walk in, there was a sign way back then. It was hanging um, and it said 50% discount, 50% discount. Now I have dignity. I didn't run straight to it. I kind of worked my way there uh, because I have dignity. I didn't want anybody to just say, hey, look at him run because it had like big 50% discount. And you know, when you're struggling and you, you want to make every dollar count. So I ended up being there. It was a humongous table and it had all kinds of miscellaneous, uh, um, uh, you know, boxes and articles and stuff. And it was miscellaneous because I quickly noticed that there was tape around most of the boxes. And then under the, the, uh, the small, in the small print, it said uh, damaged goods. 
like damaged goods. And so a lot of us, that's how we act. We act like damaged goods, um, but we, you discount yourself. So God says you're a prince and a princess and you act and walk like a pauper because you've been broken, because you've, been mista- you've made mistakes, because you, 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 you tripped or you fouled up or you messed up. And, and so you begin to discount your worth uh, by how people see you on the outside or how you see yourself as a dad or as a mom. Many moms don't believe that they're a good mother. Um, it's very easy to, hey, I'm not a good mom. And, and because what's the standard? Probably perfection, probably an ideal mom. Um, and so I just want to start here by, by all of us having a sense of regard, of respect, of self-esteem, a self-dignity, a dignity that comes from who you are in Christ Jesus. Uh, also that you count. Uh, you'll never feel like you belong. You've got to feel that you've got worth and that you count. You count in life. You count in the context of being part of the family of God. You count at being in there in your relationship, in your home. You count. You matter. You have worth. Uh, and then you belong. You belong. You belong uh, as an essential part of bringing peace and a sense of contentment and a sense of blessing to your life. If you have to feel, you have to know that you belong. We've been talking about now what? In pursuit of not happiness, but in pursuit of purpose. Belonging has a sense of purpose. Purpose comes with belonging. Uh, you will never embrace, you will never capitalize, you will never be able to just uh, walk in the spirit of purpose until you know that you belong, that you have a place in this world, that God brought you to this world, not by accident, not by coincidence, but by purpose for a time such as this. Uh, you were born at the right time in the right season, uh, and you not only were born, but you belong. Let me, let me ask the question with you. Now what? Uh, in pursuit of happiness, uh, no, but purpose. And we've been talking about believe, belong is where we're at right now and become. Notice all of them is, is under the canopy, uh, the subject matter of project B. Be who God has called you to be is ultimately uh, the goal is to have you become what God is shaping you, forging you, having you become in every context as a, in the context of God's family we're part of one body many members in the context of your home uh, can you become the man the woman can you become the father can you really become that mother that that overcomes all those obstacles and all those uh, toxins emotional issues the, the way maybe you were treated where you come from uh, would you quit using that as a crutch Oh, pastor, or oh, it's because you don't understand. I came up from this home and I was broken. I was abused. And I say, join the club. You know, so what? So, so what? After you've shared it 10,000 times, so what? How many more times do you want to share it as an excuse for your bad behavior? For, for just behavior that is illicit, unbecoming of a man of God or a woman of God. No father should be behaving the way some of us do. No mother should be acting out um, and the way some of us do. And you cannot keep using over and over and over and over and over your past and where you came from and how difficult it was. Uh, we got it. We got it. Now what? So the question is, now what? So what do you do? So, so why has God brought you into his fold? Why has God made you part of his family? Why are you now born again? I hope, I pray uh, that you are, that you have confidence that God has something more. That, that it starts with believing and then having a sense of belonging. And then becoming will be our next two or our next three messages right after that. Jesus told his disciples 
that Jesus came and, and told his disciples. This is Matthew uh, 28, verses 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission, co, and then mission. Uh, the, the, the center of this word is your mission. For every believer, this is, this is called the Great Commission. And uh, I have given, Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. Uh, therefore, he says, go, 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 all of us. There's this mission, if you will, uh, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, and then to teach, teach these new disciples. The word is disciples. To make disciples, that is what this church is trying to do, is to lead thousands of people to know God, grow, grow uh, in spiritual commitment or knowledge of Christ, to go in community, to grow together, and then go serve and make a difference. Uh, we believe firmly that when somebody knows God, they're discovering God's truth and every truth, every revelation of God's truth about yourself, about your past, about what God says about your future. Every truth sets you free from a lie, sets you free from the past. Every truth, you, know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it's a journey. It's not just one truth. Uh, it's a truth that God reveals as you do community, as you come to church, as you do life together in a life group. Every, every conversation, there's all of a sudden there's a, an epiphany, a revelation, a truth that just, uh, just hits you and smacks you right, right across your, uh, your heart or your head or your, your hands. And there's something about the truth that sets you free from the lie. We believe that, that as you grow, that you will discover your purpose. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like one, I thought like one, and I acted like one, I judged like one. But when I matured, when I received spiritual mature, maturity, when I re, uh, reached, then I put away childish things. And then we believe that every, every one of us has been commissioned to go. Uh, you have gifts that God has called you and given you a passion, a direction, gifts, anointing, um, skill sets, if you will, that you and all of us should go and make a difference. So Jesus says to teach these new disciples to obey uh, all the commands that I have given you. And uh, be sure of this, that I am with you always, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I love uh, this concept, that mission, though this co-mission, this great commission uh, to go and make disciples is impossible. With, uh, this mission is uh, impossible without discipleship. So how do you make disciples? Through discipleship. Through a series or a process of systems or learnings. Uh, a journey that we do together. It's not just believing uh, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Most of us, maybe we're, all of us, I hope, I pray, are there are most of us here that we believe. We know he's our Savior. We know he's, he saved us from our past and from our sins. But what is it that we're doing? What's the process that this church or that you are engaged in becoming uh, a disciple, in, in becoming much more knowledgeable and stronger in your knowledge of the Word of God, in confidence in your calling and your, your gifts that God has called us to do? Uh, so, it's, it's, uh, so this mission that we're on, all of us, is impossible without disciple, without the word discipleship, without becoming disciples. Uh, in essence, is that uh, the purpose for your life is impossible without you becoming a disciple or without discipleship. I will say that again. Uh, the, the fact that or the possibility, the potential, the probability, um, the proclivity of you and I, um, uh, the propensity of you and I becoming or, or embracing and fulfilling your mission is almost non-existent unless you become a disciple. 
uh, somebody who's a follower, somebody who grows, somebody who knows Jesus, somebody who shares Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. That's why we've, we've tried in many ways or different ways to have you lead a life group or belong to a life group uh, or walk in a life group. We have all kinds of them. Some of them are really, really solid and strong. And some of them, I, I, I'll be honest with you, they're not that strong. Uh, they we're working, but somebody's at least trying. Somebody's trying to present. Um, and, and we've got a long way to really, all of us who are like leaders, we have a responsibility if you lead a life group to do your homework, uh, to, to come prepared because somebody is coming depending and hoping that in that life group there is life. That's why they're called life groups, that there is life. Uh, my, my wife does a, an 8 o'clock or 8.30, I think it's 8 o'clock, 8.30, every Friday morning. She goes for a walk here. It's called Walking in Truth. She starts right here in this parking lot. A three, five, seven, six women show up. Uh, she shares a devotional. And she loves it. So she just comes back and, and part of the walking is you're exercising and you're talking, you're walking in truth. And she, so she'll, she's recently told me, Pastor, it's all, it's all, she doesn't call me Pastor. <laughs> she should call me Lord. Uh, like Sarah, Sarah, those of you, it's in, it's in the Bible. Sarah called Abraham Lord. And I have not been able to convince her. Um, Somebody here needs to talk to her and prophesy. Would you treat your husband a whole lot better and just go ahead and call him Lord? Um, but she says, Saul, she tells me that just, it's just, you know, God's presence. I love it. We're walking. Uh, we're sharing. She's listening. At the end, they do a prayer. What's your needs? They trust God for a breakthrough. And all along, they're walking, exercising, walking and talking in truth. But my point is that there's a lot of groups like that, that if you keep looking somewhere along the line for couples, for marriages, uh, for folks that are trying to improve your, um, your serve, you're trying to improve your calling, you're trying to find or improve your stewardship, your financial stewardship. Um, we just opened one on Saturday for a Celebrate Recovery with Brother Mauricio and Sister Emily. Just celebrate recovery. And um, so, and it's about just being there and understanding that all of us have hurts, hangups, and, and habits that we need to address. So my point to you is here is that, that discipleship is short-lived and nearsighted without community. So no one truly becomes a complete disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ without community. It's short-lived. You start, you, you have interest, you come to Sundays, and Sundays is not enough for you to grow and deepen your roots and your commitment to God. It's not enough. So discipleship is short-lived and nearsighted. Uh, you can't see the big picture ever until you do it together in community, in a life group. Um, impossible mission, impossible without discipleship. Discipleship is short-lived and nearsighted without community. And community is rare. It rarely happens just on Sundays. So here's what Sundays looks like. It's for the gospel message. It's for everybody. A big tent, big picture. Let's gather. Let's celebrate. Let's worship. Uh, let's cast the net. Uh, folks that you bring, family members, somebody here that's struggling uh, with, with some kind of form of bondage, we're going to pray for you. If you're sick, we're going to pray for healing. If you're not saved, we're going to believe that you're going to get saved. That's what happens on Sunday. But discipleship does not happen on Sunday. Rarely. How many say amen? How many see it? What happens in community when you get together in a life group, in a small group, and, it's, it's a, and you have continuity and you become consistent. There is the Bible teaching. There is accountability where we hold each other accountable. 
There's where we build relationships. There's where we have fellowship, koinonia. That's where we break bread and we have coffee and we slow down. That's where we have questions. And if the person, if you're here and you're a leader and you don't, you don't know the answer to a question, it's okay to not know the answer. Uh, don't, you don't have to give the wrong answer. You don't have to feel pressure like, like what, is the, what is the Trinity? I don't know what the Trinity is exactly myself. Okay, I do, but you know, I'm just trying to give you an example for a lot of people to feel uh, like, like it's okay. Um, In-depth discussions and there in community, in a life group, uh, you ask questions. We pray individually. We, hold, we pray for each other, for one another. Uh, active serving, active sharing, and then the discipleship happens in the context of small groups, uh, life groups. How many say amen? I'm talking about belonging, belonging. So the question is when, when, when do you have community? Do you, other than coming to church on a Sunday, I'm not putting any guilt trips on anybody, but you say, pastor, I'm really, really busy. Um, then you're, too, then, then no one's too busy by the way, but, but let's say you're really, really busy. Um, then I, and I can't afford to go to a life group. I honestly want to share and challenge you that you cannot afford not to. If you're that busy, something's wrong. If you're that focused on things that, that are not pertaining to your development, everything, everything in your life, everything that God has for you depends on you growing spiritually. Doesn't depend on you doing or being successful or having money in the bank or being some kind of uh, woman that's successful, having a title, sister or mister. Uh, you could, no success in life can compensate for failure in the home. No success in life can compensate for being a failure in relationships. No success, no title, no degree, no money, nothing that you're driving can, 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 can be called successful uh, uh, when, it, when, when it's undermining your development and your growth as a child, as a son or a daughter of God. Whatever it is, it can't be from God. If it's stunting your growth, if it's limiting your exposure, if it's, if it's stopping you from becoming the instrument, the person, the man, the husband, uh, the woman of God, the mother that God wants you, the counselor, the teacher that God put in you, uh, there's people later on that are going to be needing you. They're going to be needing you at your best, mister yeah. or sister. And not just half-baked because you never committed to doing life together. So when, when do you do community? Where do you do community? What's the context? What's the context where you do community, where you join a small group, where you walk in company with those that are going to hold you accountable, are going to love you, are going to care for you? It's not a perfect community. Sometimes it's, a, it's like a family. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit dysfunctional. Okay, I'll say that again. It's a little dysfunctional. But family is family. How many say amen? Nobody like, hey, that's my uncle. That's my crazy uncle Joe. And I'm not talking about the president. Okay. <laughs> talking about a real Tio Jose. I have a Tio Jose, by the way. Jose. So Joe. But he's my crazy uncle. Don't you dare talk bad about him. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So how is it? In what context? How do you do community church? I'd like for everyone, no matter what age, phase, or stage in your life you are. How? So when, where, what's the context, and then how is it that you do community? And I'm not talking just Sundays. Sundays are important. They're the gathering. That's when we marshal our resources. We have worship. Uh, we declare and decree the word of God. Uh, people are hopefully are inspired, motivated, transformed. But that does not make discipleship happen. How many say amen? 
So purpose and belonging, purpose and belonging. There is purpose. So in your handouts, I pray you brought it or you got it, a handout. Um, these are outlines just to help you again, our, our way, our church to kind of, we're shifting to help people become disciples, become students of the word of God and take something that later on you can share again and you're this, you can make this your life group. And I will share these notes, by the way. You, you can share this, this uh, PowerPoint with a group of folks that are gathering in your home. So, so the, the main thought here, the first thought is don't do life alone. Um, because the Bible says that you belong to the family of God. I'm going to share that. I'm going to prove that, that you are a member of God's body, of Christ's body. That your member, whatever it is, is important. It's needed. It's essential. What, whatever gifts and design God gave you, the passion, the desire, the anointing, the grace, the favor, the skills, the, the, the direction, even your felt needs when you're hurting. If you're a member and you're hurting, the Bible says all the body hurts. Everybody, uh, there's a something, there's a, a, an effect, uh, there's a domino effect that happens when, when one member of the body is hurting. Like if you're hurting and you're struggling, mister or father, so is your family, I guarantee you. A mom, if you're struggling with your self-image, with your self-esteem, uh, you're struggling with your emotions, uh, you, you basically react, overreact. I guarantee everybody under your canopy, your sphere of influence, everybody in your orbit, sister, struggles. Everybody pays for it. Because you can't find yourself in, the, in, the, in, that, in that context of where you see yourself the way God sees you. Uh, you've put the past in context. You, you've received God's forgiveness and redemption in every area of your life. Uh, you're not trafficking or, or talking about nonsense over and over. Uh, your, your house is not a ball of tension where no, somebody walks in and it's all fight uh, and or frustration over and over. You need deliverance. You need deliverance. Um, and my point is because I love you and I really, I want all of us, I love for this church to really, myself especially and included, for all of us to just have a spiritual, uh, basically, um, um, uh, encounter with God again, all of us, uh, in, the contents of, uh, in the context of your reality. So don't do life alone, period. Uh, you belong. Find your place. Find your niche. Make it happen. Why? Because you cannot find and you'll never ever fulfill your purpose alone. That's why. Try it. Uh, try it. Just, just, we already did and you already should already find out that you will not find uh, and you will not fulfill your purpose uh, flying solo. Uh, ajar and adjacent from what God has for you, the community that God wants you to be part of. Uh, you cannot find or forge, that means build, uh, create, fulfill your purpose apart from the body of Christ. So somebody says, Pastor, uh, yeah, do I need to come to church to be saved? No, no, a thousand times no. Do I need to be part of a church to be healthy? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Do I need to be part of the body of Christ and be connected uh, in order to be able to flow and to be able to grow and to be able to be healthy and have healthy and gender healthy relationships? The answer is yes, a thousand times yes. You'll never do it outside of the context of the body of Christ. Uh, Bill, um, um, Rick Warren um, in one of his books writes that um, after your relationship, your salvation with Jesus Christ, the next most important family 
is not your family, is not your home, the one you go to, the one I go, who I go to after today's service. The most important family, the most important community is the church community. It says you can have a relationship uh, with your family your, 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 without the church, but it cannot be in the contents of God's purpose. You'll never flow in the context of God's calling, the reason, the anointing, the gifts outside of the body of Christ, outside of the local church. The family is just a family and you'll struggle like any other family, but you'll never embrace the divine purpose, the anointing, the supernatural. You'll never tap into the reason God brought you to this earth outside of the local church. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that, that you don't need to come to church to be a Christian or to be saved. But I believe you need to find a church, uh, be, and the, you know, and, and get connected and stay connected to a church if you want ultimate healing, ultimate whole, uh, being whole, and to be used of God in the context of God's calling and purpose for your life because you cannot find, forge, or fulfill your purpose apart or outside or separate from the body of Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen in this house? Uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 4 and 5 says, For just as each of us, each of us, has one body with many members, with many members, uh, just, just, just think of the, the, the whole anatomy and how important some of these members, how crucial an eye, a nose, a, a ear, your mouth, uh, hands, feet, uh, you know, head, uh, shoulders, uh, um, you know, knees and feet. Just, just uh, plus the organs that are internal, that are vital and essential. And these members do not all have the same function. Uh, they cannot and they don't. So we, so in Christ we, uh, though many were many, form one body. We form one body. And that has to do with your gifts, with your particular bents, and your calling, and your passion, and yes, even your felt needs. Um, that your felt needs are part of why God has brought you to the kingdom of God. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling, there is somebody, there is a partner, uh, there is a small group, there is a confident that God has already, I believe, within the context of the local church that is meant to walk with you and talk with you and, and just, just um, move forward together, have a prayer partner, have an accountability partner so that when you're down, somebody's there to pick you up. Uh, so that when you're up and somebody is down, you're there to give them a word of confidence. Uh, watch what it says, the second thing in, in your outlines. Number two, that you are different on purpose. That God created you uniquely uh, different, unique in every aspect. You have your own personality. You have your own identity. You have your own quirks, uh, your own strengths, your own weaknesses. Um, you, you think differently. You were created uniquely. Uh, nobody here shares the same fingerprints. You are uh, a marvel of God. You are one in a trillion, 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 trillions. No one will ever be you, be like you, or be, or be able to replace you. Nobody, especially in the context of God's purpose, his lane, uh, where God has called you to be, how God has called you to grow. Uh, you are different on purpose and for a purpose. How many say amen? You are different on purpose and for a purpose. And Proverbs 27, 17 says that just like iron sharpens iron, um, uh, so will the face of someone else, of a man or of a person. When you get together and you sit on cir in a circle like Pastor George Garza was preaching our first Wednesday, that, that we're meant not to sit in rows, not if you want discipleship, 
Not if you want God's best, you're, you're, we're meant to sit and be in a circle where you're seeing somebody, but just as iron sharpens iron, so will one man or a woman uh, sharpen one another. Or the, I love the version that says, so will the countenance of a man or a woman shape the other. Uh, you begin to look like if I look like Christ and, and I do my best to walk like Christ because I've been, and made, I've been made and created in the image and the likeness of God. So in other words, I look like my father. I say that again. I and you have been created in the likeness and the image of God. What happens if you reflect it over and over? That other person begins to look just like Christ as well. So, so, so will the face of a person uh, shape the other person's out view or viewpoints and outlook. And, and you just begin to shape each other by having conversations. And, and, and especially you don't have to carry the conversation. It's better if you listen more than you talk. <laughs> okay. It's better if you, some people think that you have to talk, 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 talk. Let me give you advice. Callate. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word by be silent. Be silent. Just, just, just let the other person carry the conversation. Let the other person share and bear their heart. How many say amen? So the Bible talks about one another a lot. The Bible talks about one another a lot. So our difference is shape. So that's what shapes us. Our differences strengthen and our differences sharpen us, us, and also your purpose. I want to say that again. It's your differences um, up there. Uh, if you're with me up there, I'm not sure why this is no longer working. There you go. Thank you. Unless you're with me, it's, it's your differences that shape, strengthen, and sharpen us um, together and our purpose together. Um, Romans, the same verse, verse 5 uh, says as just as uh, each of us one, are one body, but with many parts or many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. For each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Uh, this hand and this arm, uh, this good-looking face. Uh, you know, needs my feet. I'm a, a fleet of foot. I, I, I run like a gazelle. I used to. Right now, I just barely walk and sometimes I crawl. Uh, okay. But my point is, is that each member belongs to each other. Each member belongs to each other. We belong together. We belong to each other. How many say amen? So when God says to love your neighbor as yourself, he means it. To love your neighbor as we do your... And I, this is the real test right here. Not only to love your neighbor as we love ourselves. So, Jesus, so in Leviticus 19, it says to love, uh, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against uh, anyone among your people, uh, but love your neighbor as yourself. Don't seek, uh, don't begrudge, don't seek vengeance, don't seek to get even but rather love your neighbor. Put yourself in the other person's shoes or the other person's reality. Put yourself where they are and most of the time you'll come to an understanding. Uh, for I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love as God has loved you. We are commanded by Jesus Christ to love others the way we've been loved. A new commandment I give you, love one another 
as I have loved you, this is Jesus saying to all of us, so you must love one another. The same love that Christ has lavished on you, there is a, there is a, a commandment, there is an imperative, there is an expectation from God that you and I are to love one another the same way. Uh, so love your neighbor, love God, and love as God has loved you. For love truly reveals who are the real followers of Jesus Christ. For this, everyone will know. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Look at the several, there's many, many, there's more, but just look at the one another's. So in the gospel, it says to be devoted. Up there, help me if you can. Uh, if you can, up there, I am, uh, be devoted to one another. Um, and I don't know, but anyway, to be devoted by, to one another. Yeah. Be in harmony. That means be in alignment with one another. Accept one another. I love this one. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Uh, be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Teach one another. Be hospitable to one another. Confess to one another your sins or your shortcomings. Pray for one another. Uh, just, just look at this whole concept of community. Together we're better. Uh, in, in life groups, something happens that's powerful. It doesn't have to be magical. It doesn't have to be life-changing all the time. But incrementally, when you are part of a, of a community, a small group, a life group, I promise you, uh, at the end of that process, you'll be a better one another. You'll be a better servant. You'll be a better father, mother. Uh, you'll be a better instrument. You'll be a better uh, person uh, if you uh, embrace the process and stick with it. So the third thought here is that the purpose and belonging. There's purpose and belonging. Your purpose cannot be fulfilled without belonging to the house and the family of God. So don't do life alone. Belong. Uh, you are different on purpose. God created you with your, with your personality, with your quirks, with your strengths, with your gifts, even, even with your, uh, those areas where you struggle with. That's okay to embrace those struggles, but you don't have to stay with those struggles. There's a way to move beyond the fear, the apprehension, the doubt, the wonder, uh, the insecurity, uh, to be able to move uh, from tension uh, to healing. Uh, number three, that Lifehouse is not an exclusive club. We're, we're, we don't want to be an exclusive church where, where only certain people fit in, uh, only certain you know, dynamics work. Uh, we we want to be an inclusive family, a family, not just a church, but a family. And, and I, I want to just say something to everyone. All of us should have standards. I have them my, in our home. We have expectations for ourselves, but I never try to impose them on anybody. So I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol, but I don't tell anyone that your salvation is pending, is, is like subject to not drinking. I just think that if you drink alcohol, you're, you're running a risk that maybe you can handle your liquor, but what about your kids or your grandkids? Just, I just, the Bible says it's not wise to just embrace certain practices. I, I don't smoke just because I don't smoke. Um, I, I shared last week about somebody who was smoking in the house, in my house, the, the one that we built. It's the only time I felt tempted to smoke was the other guy who was there. But you have to be here last week to get it, the, to get the joke this week. Uh, if not, you missed out. And no, I'm not going to tell it again. Uh, it's, it's too bad. That's what you get for not being here last week. And yes, I'm trying to put a guilt trip on you in Jesus' name. Um, um, but, but, and so there's standards, you know, 
that, that my wife and I, we just embrace. But they don't make us better or holier uh, or more righteous. The righteousness that, that all of us should have already comes from Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes you righteous. It makes you born again. What Jesus did in the cross of Calvary makes you powerful, makes you blessed. You have powers if you're in Christ Jesus. You have an anointing, you have favor, you have God's open door to move and walk. Uh, but I just think that there are certain practices, uh, certain lifestyles uh, that prohibit, that, that are, are prohibitive, that, that undermine uh, harmony in a relationship or in a home or with your future family. I, wanna, I said that to say this, that, that it's not about trying to just have, we're trying to, we wanna be inclusive. Some time ago, as I was reading um, the story of the Samaritan in chapter John, and um, Jesus, it said that Jesus, it was necessary for Jesus to, to basically go on a circuitous route for Jesus to pass through Samaria. So he leaves this beaten path and he goes to, to a new route, and there's a town there called Sikar, S I C A R. Really means a town of drunk drunkards, a town of, a town of um, vipers, drunkards. That's where Jesus ends up there. There's a well, and he's there. He sends his disciples to go get food, and only John is there because only John records this. So John is there in the periphery. Jesus is there, and this woman comes around noontime to draw water from a well. And this woman was five times divorced. Just think of what kind of choices she had made. Just think, just, just, just think of how painful one divorce, and I don't wish it upon anybody. One divorce is like, like it's a killer. But what happens when you have a second or a third? And it doesn't have to be a divorce with papers. It could be just relationships that are aborted. It could be just like you have not been able to just make it count. You're unable to engender a relationship, lead it, maintain it, have it grow, have it blossom. Because somewhere along the way, something about you, perhaps, or maybe it's been your choices, maybe it's been your partners or the ex, or the other ex, the other ex. But for this lady, it's like five times. Why would Jesus go out of his way? Why, 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 why? I wouldn't, unless I have the heart of Jesus. Like, hey lady, like strike one, strike two, and strike you're out but not with Jesus he, he went out of his way so I don't know how many times you've struck out but I, I've struck in I've struck out more than three times but maybe not in my marriage but in er, other areas that are none of your business we all stumble the Bible says that the righteous stumble seven times you know what that means that, that the, even the good people even the righteous people even those of us with white hats we stumble and we, we break down Sometimes we're not integral. We don't say the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We kind of camouflage the truth. Sometimes because we're embarrassed. Sometimes because we think it's going to create a bigger problem if we don't tell the truth. If we tell the truth. Regardless. But Jesus felt like it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. Go visit a woman. Five times divorced. Living in adultery. Living with a guy at the very moment. And Jesus engaged her in a conversation about water about life, about renewal, about being born again. And then she begins to sense that maybe this guy's no ordinary guy. He's not, the, he's not the next guy in her relationships. This is not a guy that's after 
her because of the way she looks or, or wanting anything from her, but rather to do something in her, through her, for her, and for her to be a blessing about other people that were living in that township. So she goes, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he goes, one day the Messiah is going to come. And he says, this Messiah says, you know, do we worship here? Do we worship there? And I, but I want to tell you that she was not the apostle Peter. She was not John. She was not any of the apostles. But Jesus revealed the theology of worship to a woman that's five times divorced and living in adultery. And Jesus reveals to her, woman, it's not in that mountain or this mountain, but my father is looking and seeking for, for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's the kind of worshiper that Jesus, that my father is looking for. It's not a, a place and it's not a style. It's a person. It's a person. It's the spirit in which you worship. And he revealed to her, to her, a, a woman five times divorced, uh, living in adultery. And Jesus calls her out. Jesus tells her who she is. She accepts him as her Messiah. She begins to spread the good news or telling other people, come, come and see a man who's told me all that I've done. All that I've done. Bible says that many believe because of her witness, but more believe when they came and heard Jesus speak the, the words of life themselves. What am I telling you is that we want to be that church. After you get divorced six times, we're no longer your church. Only five. Sorry, I, 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 I take such a great point, Pastor. And I, that just my humor betrays me. Would you guys just stop and pray for me right now? Like, what kind of sense of morbid human is humid is humor is that? Totally unnecessary. I want to finish with the four, the four big ones, the, the four things up there. Do you have the four big things? And then, if not, the, the four let us from Hebrews ten. The four let us from Hebrews ten. I'll, I'll finish. These are very powerful. It's, it talks about community. Let us, not you. There's a lot of yous in the Bible, like mandates honor your father, da, 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 da. There's many, but these are the four big let us. So let us draw closer to God. How many say amen to that? So say, pastor, how can we form community? Where do I go from here? What do I do now? So, so what's my next step? So let us draw closer to God. So let's get closer. Let's intentionally like come to church, find a small group, uh, be intentional about growing in God. Watch, watch. So, so with, with a sincerity, with a sincere heart, fully trusting him to fully trust. Let us fully get close. Trust God for our guilt, uh, our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. So when you get closer to God, you understand that what you carry in your conscience, your past, your sins, your failures, the blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses you and forgives you, but cleanses your conscience. How many say amen? Verse 23, let us, the next let us, can you go up there? Can you help me? Thank you. So let us, number two, let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm. To hope. Let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm. Without wavering, don't, don't, without wavering, stay steady. Hold tightly to faith. To the hope, to the hope you affirm. Why? For God can be trusted uh, to keep his promises. So hold on. Get close to God and then hold on tight. There's hope. There's God is working. God is doing a new thing. Why? Because God can be trusted to keep his promises. Because God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. God will fulfill what he's promised you. His will fulfill his promise. The third one that I want you to take home with us is let us think of ways to motivate one another. 
So what are you doing to motivate your wife, your husband? So let us, let us motivate it. The other version says, uh, the NIV says, let us encourage one another. Let us encourage. Let us motivate one another to acts, to acts of love and of good works. Let us encourage one another. And uh, so get brought close. Hold on to your hope. God keeps his promises. Let us encourage, let us motivate one another uh, to do things, to, to acts of love and uh, of good works. And then fourthly, and I think it's the, probably the clincher. Number four up there, thank you, is let us not stop gathering. Uh, number four up there, let us not stop gathering. Number four up there. Number four. Sometimes somebody's the boss and I'm just like, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to know that a man's got to know his limitations. As Brother Clint Eastwood said, number four. Number four. <laughs> number four, let us not neglect gathering together. Let's come to church is what he says, as some people do. That's what it says. Number four up there, let us not neglect our meeting together. Probably frozen and sometimes it does freeze some of you have not been paying your tithes or offerings. We, we've got, we're, we're underperforming up there. We don't have capacity. It's called bandwidth. And sometimes it does freeze, and that's probably what happened uh, up there. Oh, number four. Anyway, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do. Not you, unless this is like your first Sunday in a long time. Um, as some people do, let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return, of our Lord's return, is drawing near. Talk about the truth right there. Would you close your eyes with me? For those of you online, thank you guys for being online. Thank you for your prayers. We need your prayers more than anything. If you sense you want to cooperate and just bless this ministry. Those of you online, God bless you. God bless you. We love you. Pray for Lifehouse. Uh, God has called us to lead thousands of people. God has called us to find, uh, reach the lost, um, retain the next generation, disciple the believer, engage, equip, and empower the emerging leaders, and, and build churches and plant churches. That's what God has called us. Pray that God has called you to do the same. God bless you for those of you in line. In Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.